What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Budget-Minded Traveler podcast, your source for the everyday inspiration and practical tips that make international travel accessible to everyone. Hey everyone, welcome to the Budget-Minded Traveler podcast. This is episode 69 and it is the fourth installment of the Ask Jackie sessions where I take the best listener questions and answer them here on the show. And I personally think this is the best one yet. And I'm sure that that is because we actually did this live to get the content for today's session. And if you are in the Facebook group, you probably heard about the live Q&A we did a few weeks ago. Thank you to all of you who participated. It was a major hit. I think it was very successful. And um, thank you also to those of you who sent me emails with questions afterwards. I have taken from all of the questions and created this episode. So today is your day. This episode is about you and your questions, and I couldn't have created it without you. And by the way, that Q&A was super fun. I can't remember the last time an hour went by so fast. So stay tuned because we will definitely be doing more of those. And if you aren't in the Facebook group yet, it's free. It's very carefully moderated by me. So what you get is just the good conversation about travel and nothing else. So come on over. You can find it at thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash community. That'll take you straight to the Facebook page. A couple of things before we start today. Remember that it's podcast awards time? (laughs) Well, the top 10 for all of the categories have been announced. And if you recall, this year they changed everything up and there is no longer a travel category. We've been thrown into the masses with society and culture. And that means that we actually made it. We actually did make it into the top 10. And you know what's crazy? We are the only travel podcast in the top 10, which to be honest, I think is a little unfortunate. But if somebody has to represent this category, then I am really proud that it is us. Voting opens on May 29th. So if you're listening to this after May 29th, head on over to podcastawards.com. You can vote once per day for two weeks and I'll let you know when the awards are going to be. So thank you guys so much for your nominations and in advance for your votes. Let's see how far we can take this thing. Also, we officially have a sponsor for today's show. I'm pretty stoked to introduce you guys to Trip Creator, which blew my mind the first time I checked it out. It's an interactive travel planner that gives users the tools to quickly and easily plan and book their entire trip in one site. It's one of those things that makes you wonder where it's been all your life. So thanks again to Trip Creator for sponsoring today's show. This means really good things for us, you guys. So 
go check them out. Show them some love. You can find them at tripcreator.com. One more super exciting piece of news. Remember a little while back, I had Nathaniel Boyle on the show and we talked about businesses and travel and we told you that we were going to start leading trips. Well, the time has come. Signups are officially open for our first trip, which is, drumroll, you can probably expect this, but we are going to Patagonia this November and you can find everything you need to know at patagonia2016.com. Spots are limited. I truly cannot wait to get to travel with some of you in one of my very favorite places. So patagonia2016.com. Let's go hiking and exploring together. It's going to be incredible. Woohoo! I get so excited talking about that trip. But anyway, okay, it's time to get into the good stuff of today's Ask Jackie session. Um, we have so many good questions today, and I've decided to start with a really important subject, toilets. <laughs> so here we go. Jen asks, my biggest concern seems a little silly, but it's bathrooms. We are planning a nine-month Asia to Southeast Asia to Europe trip starting in September, and a big concern in the non-European places is finding a bathroom relatively quickly if need be. Is this a silly concern? First of all, this is a very legit concern, and I have to say it's interesting to me that you think it won't be a problem in Europe. I'd actually say the opposite. Public bathrooms are in train stations and in a lot of places, but they also charge for use. So you need to have cash or coins handy, and that can be a problem. Free public bathrooms almost don't exist in a lot of places in Europe. One trick is you can always look for a McDonald's or a Starbucks, but you'll probably have to buy something to get the code for the bathroom because they're usually locked and the code sometimes comes on the receipt. So you could either time it right and grab the door when someone is leaving or you could find a receipt or you could ask someone the code or you could buy something. Um, just don't expect all bathrooms to be available. And on that note, definitely keep some coins with you um, wherever you are, because often public bathrooms abroad cost money. And sometimes what you're paying for is toilet paper. You'll go in and uh, there won't be any toilet paper. And so sometimes you have to grab the toilet paper at the door when you pay. Sometimes it's tip donation only, which is always kind of interesting. Uh, there will be people guarding the bathrooms and taking your money, either that or it's like a machine operated bathroom entrance. Anyway, um, I would say that bathrooms are almost easier to come by in, in Asian countries. And so, uh, just, just on that note, just make sure you always have some money with you and some toilet paper with you. Ladies always bring your own toilet paper when you travel, never leave home without it. And when I say toilet paper, I really mean whatever you can find, whether it's napkins or tissues or toilet paper, just always make sure you have something in your purse for those times when the bathroom is without. Oh, and brace yourself for squatty potties, which are the basically holes in the ground with footprints where you kind of just stand and squat. Um, I recommend not doing that with a backpack on, by the way. All right, moving on. Steve asks, do you travel with guidebooks? And no, I do not. I'm just not a guidebook person, but I wanted to include this question anyway uh, for two recommendations. One, for those of you who are guidebook people, if there's a section that you specifically want to have with you, 
perhaps consider tearing it out of the book so you don't have to bring the whole clunky thing with you. Um, also on that note, as a brand, I've always liked Lonely Planet, but um, I think that's a personal preference. There are a lot of good guidebooks out there. And when this question was asked in the Q&A, someone else had a really good idea about this, which would be going into bookstores uh, when you travel and visit the travel section and take a peek at the guidebooks there. And if you find something interesting about your destination, you can always write it down or take a picture. And it's also very common for hostels to have guidebooks on their bookshelves. A lot of hostels have lending libraries, etc. So keep that in mind. I personally still think that the best information actually comes from talking with other travelers. And one more thing about this, last but not least, never, ever trust that a guidebook will be up to date on anything except maybe history and maps. Okay. Fiorella asks, have you ever worked while traveling like hostels, teaching, etc.? Which type of job would you recommend? Yes, I have worked while traveling. Um, this is not counting, not counting the recent year that I've been abroad because now I only work when I travel. I don't, I don't get jobs, but I have my job blogging, et cetera, that I, that I make money from now. And so before this, um, I actually did have four different paying jobs overseas, all of which have actually been in Italy and all of which have been cash as in under the table, as in don't tell uncle Sam, shh. But honestly, this happens all the time, so don't worry about it. Um, Two of them were bartending jobs that I happened upon while I was studying abroad. That is an experience I would recommend to anyone. That was so, so much fun. Such a good experience. Although I was like 20 when I did that. And so, um, you know, I don't think I could hang now, now, (laughs) 10 years later. but, But it was definitely fun when I was 20. Um, One was working on a pub crawl in Rome, which was really absolutely exhausting. But I got to hang out at the Coliseum every single day and I really loved that part of it. Um, I was barely scraping by with that job, but I found that job on Craigslist of all places. So don't count Craigslist out. And one job was actually running a yoga retreat center in the hills of Lazio outside of Rome. I found that last one on Workaway, which I have a podcast about. It's number five. I will link to it in the show notes. But first, as a little disclaimer, Workaway is not typically a paid gig. Um, But this one was a legit job. It wasn't just four hours of volunteering in exchange for room and board. We had a full workload and six days a week. So we got paid on top of it. Um, But I also have a podcast episode about finding paid work overseas with a friend of mine who is still working her way around the world. So episode 24 has a lot of good advice on that. And I will link to that in the show notes as well. Or you're already on the podcast. So you could just go look at episodes five and 24. Gina asks a great question about laundry. She says, have you needed to do laundry on a two week trip? I'm not sure where or how to go about doing laundry on a trip. Any tips on keeping clothing fresh while on the road? And yes, I definitely have to do laundry about every two weeks. This varies in all parts of the world, but I would say in general, it isn't difficult to find laundry services abroad. Oftentimes, hostels or hotels will provide laundry services for a small fee. 
um, just be aware that the more expensive the hotel, the more likely you'll have to pay for each item of clothing to be washed. So that is not worth it. Um, go find a laundromat and have it washed, dried and folded for you. You usually pay by the kilo, um, overseas. I've paid anything from a dollar in Thailand to 12 euros or so in Spain for laundry services. And you can generally expect a 24 hour turnaround. So make sure you're in a place for a long enough time, you know, make sure you're not going to give all your clothes to somebody and on a Saturday night, and then you're leaving on, you know, Sunday and they're not open till Monday, like pay attention to closing hours and everything. Cause sometimes it takes a couple of days for them to get it back to you. Also on that note, it's a really good idea to ask for a receipt when you drop off your clothes. So you know exactly what you're paying when you pick them up. And you could also bring some laundry detergent with you, some travel laundry detergent, or you could pick some up at, at a convenience store for cheap. I mean, you can find these things all over the world. I personally hate hand washing laundry, so I would way rather find anything I can to get it done for me. And one other option you can look into for stretching the wear of your clothing is getting merino wool, which is brilliant for lasting longer without washing. If you're really going to be gone a long time and laundry is going to be an issue, merino wool will be a great investment for you, even though they are a bit pricier, those items of clothing. And one last piece of advice on laundry, I recommend bringing as much underwear as you can and bring a decent amount of tops because these two things combined will help you spread out your laundry trips a little bit. All right. Sarah asks, and this is a popular question that I get a lot. Are there any specific credit cards you would recommend for using overseas? Bonus points if they rack up awesome airline miles. <laughs> um, yeah. So there are a lot of great travel credit cards, and I'm not sure that one is necessarily any better than another. Although I do think that collectively, from my travel friends, I hear the best things about the Chase Sapphire Preferred card. Um, I have not used that. I personally use the Chase United Mileage Plus Explorer Visa because I mostly fly United, so it works well for me. But there really are just a couple of main things you should look for when you're looking for a travel credit card. And I also have a post about this that I will link to in the show notes. But the main points would be to find a card that does not charge foreign transaction fees. So look for one with 0% foreign transaction fees because most credit cards will charge 3%. And while that does not sound like much, it can add up very, very quickly. Um, so with 0% foreign transaction fees, you get a straight across exchange and this is the single best way to spend money overseas, especially since you can get rewards for your purchases with credit card with credit cards. Just be aware that it is often the case that places do not accept credit cards overseas. It is not as widely available um, as it is as what we're used to in North America. So you should always be prepared to have cash with you. I will also link to a post I did about opening a Charles Schwab checking account, which allows you to completely avoid ATM fees worldwide, which is also a huge money saver. Um, the other important thing about choosing a travel credit card is making sure it has travel insurance, that it covers you for flights, rental cars, etc. So use this card to buy all your flights and reserve your cars and your hotels and all those things because they generally have decent coverage should something change or happen. And that is not counting 
um, general travel insurance. Like the, the credit card insurance does not take the place of travel insurance as a whole. It's just an extra step you can take to cover, you know, flight delays, baggage loss, et cetera. A lot of, a lot of travel credit cards have coverage for that. Okay. Suzanne says, my question is about meeting other people on the road. Any ideas? Oh yes. You could try participating in city tours, walks, or day trips that include small groups of people. These are great places to find interaction when you need it. Also, don't count out hostels. You can stay in private rooms so you can still have your privacy. And at the same time, you can still enjoy the company of other travelers and take advantage of all the benefits that the hostels provide. I really highly recommend hostels for this. I am a big fan of getting a private room in a hostel um, because you can still be within, you know, the traveler circuit. You can still have access to a lot of people, but you can have your own privacy. Uh, It's just not the same at hotels. You know, at hotels, everybody goes to their own room. It's very, it's very private, but in a hostel, it's still very communal. And so look for, uh, hostels for community for sure. And also Airbnb is a good choice because you can opt to stay at a place where the host is present. You don't have to get your own place all to yourself. I actually just recently stayed at an Airbnb in Rome and met the brother and sister who lived there and ran it. And they were amazing. They took me out, showed me the local spots to eat, which I've lived in Rome before and I hadn't been to the places that they took me. Um, I actually did a post about this, so I'll link to that in the show notes as well. Um, I ended up staying with them longer than I had originally booked. I really enjoyed their company and the, the, the comfort of their place, but that was an Airbnb, so that's definitely an option. Um, I think that most travelers have incredible stories about meeting people and it's almost always serendipitous. So as long as you're open to it, I think it will happen. And also you can use social media for this. Reach out to your own network, you know, find out if anybody's out there um, or reach out in the in the budget minded traveler community on Facebook and see if anyone is around. You never know. I actually just met up with one of you guys, one of my podcast listeners in Madrid, Kelly. We went out for beer and tapas before before I flew to Argentina and we connected because of Snapchat and Twitter. <laughs> it was amazing. Plus instant friends. So, you know, take advantage of social media if you have the opportunity. All right, moving on. Steve asks, when you travel, do you do many adventure sports and do those drive any travel plans? And my answer is yes. I do a lot of sports when I travel and that absolutely drives my plans and my packing. Um, I want to be prepared to do any kind of athletic activity because for me, they are the most fun. They are Sports are super important to me. Um, sometimes I look for races because I'm a runner. I just did a race in Bariloche, Argentina. Um, sometimes I join a Muay Thai class or a dance class. Um, I'm always looking for good hiking or multi-day treks. I think it's really important to chase what's important to you and make sure that you are prepared packing wise to do those things. And this was a question from the Q&A. So to that, Steve said, do you find that difficult or when packing, do you keep it quite simple? And honestly, I am the queen of simple packing. If you look in my pack, you'll find just a few items of everyday clothing and a ton of stuff for adventure. I have 
every layer necessary to do whatever outdoor activity I come across, including including trail running shoes. And, you know, those items are the things that I can't part with. Over nine months of constant travel, there are things I could send home or do without. But a majority of my wardrobe these days consists of athletic wear just so I can be ready to go hiking or biking or kayaking or whatever it is. I do miss dressing up nice. (laughs) Just last night, I went to a bar here in Macedonia in my running shoes and my jeans while my local friend Anna had heels on and a fancy top. But you know what? It didn't matter. (laughs) I do look forward to dressing up again at some point. But for now, I have packed what I definitely need and what I can't do without. And all the other things can wait. All right, here are a few ask me anything style questions about my personal preferences for travel. Edwin asks, what movies have inspired me to travel? And I would say The Motorcycle Diaries, um, The Way, which is so good. Please go to Netflix right now and put The Way in your queue. It's about the community, the community of Santiago in Spain. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Also, total guilty pleasure. My favorite (laughs) go-to is Under the Tuscan Sun. Yes, it's a total chick flick, but so Italian. I love it. Um, Another movie that was mentioned in the Q&A is 180 Degrees South, which I had actually completely forgotten about, but it's about a journey to Patagonia. I need to rewatch it, but I'm actually going to link to it in the show notes because you can watch the whole thing on YouTube, but it's also on Netflix. So there's a few movies for you. Oh, while we're talking about movies, this wasn't a question, but I'm going to go ahead and throw in a couple of books too. Um, you guys are going to roll your eyes at me for this one, but I, I really, I really got a lot of wanderlust from reading Eat, Pray, Love years ago. Um, but I still, I've really loved that book and I think that the, I can relate to the story a little bit too. So there's, there's that factor, but That's a great book for inspiring wanderlust. And also one of my favorite travel books, if you haven't read this, get this one. It's called The Geography of Bliss. That book is so well written. It's about a guy who travels all over the world, essentially looking for the happiest people, where the happiest people in the world live and his research in each country that he goes to will just make you feel like you're visiting the country with him. It's super fun. Um, so the geography of bliss is that one highly recommended. Okay. Sarah asks what American snacks and foods do you miss the most when you travel? This one is easy. Oreos. Absolutely. Oreos for sure. And fish food, ice cream by Ben and Jerry's. Those are my two favorites. Um, Somebody did mention, you know, that you can get Oreos in other places around the world. And while this appears to be true, you can go to the store and buy Oreos with the right, you know, trademark company, all of that stuff. But they taste like cardboard. So no thanks. I prefer real Oreos. (laughs) So I really miss real Oreos from the States when I'm traveling. Um, Also, big, juicy burgers. We seriously do those right. Nowhere else in the world compares, I am saying right now. Sarah also asks, is there anything you turn to when you're feeling homesick? A long run, a familiar movie or book, etc. And yes, um, 
maybe not necessarily when I'm feeling homesick. I haven't felt homesick in a while, which is interesting. But when I'm feeling lonely, absolutely. I have, (laughs) you're going to laugh at me again, but I have Under the Tuscan Sun on my laptop so I can watch it whenever I need some me time, which usually, preferably, is accompanied by chocolate ice cream. Um, I love going for runs. There is nothing else that centers me more than a run. And that is something I can do anywhere on my own. And, you know, sometimes you just need to spoil yourself. For me, spoiling myself often looks like going to get Italian food and craft beer. So, you know, anything that kind of is your is your personal comfort that you can go to, I highly recommend exercising those things on the road. All right. Danielle asks, what is your favorite way to get to know a new place or culture? This is a great question. First, I recommend staying at an Airbnb or couch surfing if you can with a local so that you have someone to introduce you to things that you otherwise wouldn't. Also, take time to walk around and look at everything. Don't just take public transport to get around, but explore the shops and offerings of a place. Um, ask your waiter what you should order, ask your taxi driver what his favorite place to eat is. In fact, ask your taxi driver as much as you possibly can. I know I just said walk everywhere, but there's surely a point where you're going to be in a taxi. Cab drivers are amazing resources of, of information. So take advantage of that. And if there is a massive language barrier, then just muster up as much patience as you are possibly capable of and smile a lot. And I'm going to add to this one, live there. Go and live there. That absolutely trumps everything. That's the best way to get to know a new place or culture. I like this one. Abby asks, what's the craziest thing you've done while traveling? And I had to clarify with her whether this was crazy as in stupid or crazy as in scary. And she kind of meant all of the above. So this was my answer. I find myself doing things that scare me all the time when I travel and I get braver and braver every single time. Um, I swam with sharks in Mexico in open water. Okay, there are whale sharks, but still massive animals, dark water waves, you know, Um, I got flipped in a whitewater raft in Ecuador, even when I wasn't even that stoked to get on the river in the first place. Um, I survived. I just completed my first Via Ferrata in Kosovo, like last week, which still makes my stomach turn just thinking about it. And if you don't know what that is, Google it and then come back and give me a high five because I'm terrified of heights. (laughs) These are things that, you know, make me stronger, even though they really do scare me. I'm always with a group. I'm with guides. And although no one's safety is ever really guaranteed, I believe I'll be safe, which allows me to focus on being strong to complete the task at hand. Um, I believe that travel is about facing your fears and getting outside your comfort zone. And it offers many opportunities to do crazy things in safety We can do them and we can learn from them and we can be stronger because of them. Great question. We have three really good questions from an email I got from Eric to finish out this episode. Um, I'm going to do all three of these because they're all great questions. So Eric asks, how do you feel about trip insurance for individual flights? I had a similar experience to yours in Guatemala where plans changed and I wanted to change flight dates, but unfortunately had not purchased flight insurance. 
I would have had to pay $100 to cancel the original flight to pay more money to book a different one. So will you buy insurance on individual flights or are you so confident in your planning abilities that you know you won't want to change plans? This is a great question. And no, (laughs) I learned the hard way that things don't always go to plan. I have two pieces of advice for this. So let me tell you a quick story. In 2007, I backpacked from Panama City to Mexico City all the way through Central America in three months. I found a flight on a third party search engine into Panama City and out of Mexico City three months later. It was the cheapest option by far. So I booked it. But little did I know that I would fall in love with Guatemala and not even want to continue on to Mexico. Um, I looked into changing my flight so that it could be out of Guatemala City instead of Mexico City. But basically, it would have been cheaper for me to buy an entirely new flight home rather than pay all the change fees and difference of fares for all the different airlines involved in my third party ticket. Uh, And for the record, I did end up spending my last week of that trip in Mexico and I completely loved it. So no regrets there. But the first lesson here is always book through the airline directly. If you ever have a doubt that you might change your mind about your flight, this will just make it much easier to change in the future, which brings me to my next story. About two months after I got back from that trip, I booked another similar flight, this time to South America, landing in Brazil and leaving Lima, Peru three months later. Um, But I never made it out of Brazil on that trip because of other issues. And I will link to that story in the show notes as well. But My point here is that, hallelujah, I had learned my lesson about third-party booking engines and I had booked directly through the airline this time. And believe me when I say that the easiest thing I had to deal with during this major issue in Brazil was actually changing my flight at the last minute. I changed the date, the location, and everything. Instead of Lima two months later, I left that very night from Brazil And I only had to pay one airline change fee and one difference of fare. So the morals of these stories are, one, if anything remains up in the air with your itinerary or just in general, this is a good habit, book directly through one airline, as in go straight to united.com instead of using some other booking engine. Um, And that will make your ticket easier to change. And two, and this is the original question, yes, on travel insurance. I had insurance that time that I went to Brazil and I was able to get reimbursed for the change fee and the difference of fare because I actually had a legit claim. Um, Now I use my travel credit card to buy all my flights because it comes with automatic coverage for exactly this But on top of that, I also always recommend travel insurance, especially if your credit card doesn't doesn't cover plane tickets. Um, What I don't do is purchase the individual insurance offered at the time of purchasing a flight. Usually that price is kind of expensive compared to, um, you know, if you're going to get general travel insurance anyway, it's going to be included and you're going to save money if you just buy one, you know, one package through, you know, some travel insurance company. Um, I just use my credit card and and or purchase separate travel insurance. So I hope that helps. Again, that was a great question.
And Eric continues, they're going on a round the world trip. So he says, while planning this world trip, we are conflicted as to how far out we should plan. We are unsure if we should only buy big flights from region to region, like Southeast Asia to Europe, etc., or if we should look into buying shorter flights ahead of time for the cheaper price and risk wanting to stay somewhere longer. Then, of course, there's the question of a round-the-world ticket. We have yet to figure out how many miles we will be traveling to see if this will be a good deal or not. How do you buy flights when consistently traveling? And this is also such a good question. And it's going to be a very personal answer. Um, I don't think there's any one right answer for this. It's going to depend on your situation. But... I have never purchased a round-the-world ticket, and as I have been traveling around the world recently, I have been buying my tickets as I go, sometimes just days in advance, but I am not a planner. I change my mind every day, and I want the freedom to be able to do that. So for me, this makes sense. Um, When I was in Thailand last fall, I had planned to stay for at least a couple of months And then everything went to shit and I really wanted to leave. And so I literally bought a ticket on a Saturday and I left on a Sunday for Italy. Uh, And it cost me 300 euros on KLM, even last minute like that. And to fly halfway around the world, I was super happy with that price. And once I was in Europe, I knew I only had three months to legally stay in the Schengen area but I had no idea where I wanted to go until about a month before I left. And that's when I decided to move to Argentina. And fortunately, I found a great ticket out of Madrid straight to Patagonia for about $500 US. And that's a really good deal. And when you think about the fact that I only paid about $800 to fly all the way from Thailand to Argentina, which are basically polar opposites on the globe, I'm really happy with that. Um, I used miles to get from the U.S. to Chile originally and from Chile to Thailand as well. That's where I was before, before Thailand. Um, So I guess I could say that my entire round-the-world ticket fares cost me less than $1,000 U.S., including the taxes for the flights that I got with the miles. So my personal take on this is to allow yourself to feel it out There's no better way to live in the moment and have complete freedom than to not have a plan. And you never know how it's going to change. So um, you should try that. And on that note, I use Google Flights for basically all of my flights these days. I I do the research on Google Flights because I love the grid function, the map function, um, and the flexibility options that that Google Flights offers. So that's my number one go-to. And then I book through the airline, like, like I just mentioned. And Eric's last question, what do you look at when you're doing solo podcasts? Are you just looking at your wall? (laughs) I've always wondered this because some of them are quite long. And for me, I think it would be difficult to focus on what I was talking about. If I just sat staring at a wall, (laughs) do you have someone sit in front of you? So it's like a one way conversation. I love this question. Um, And since I'm recording a solo episode right now, I will tell you that, yes, I am pretty much staring at the wall. (laughs) I am in a rooftop studio apartment in Macedonia with a lake view. Um, I can see Albania right now. And I'm sitting here alone with my computer talking to myself, knowing that one day you will be listening. (laughs) 
Okay, that is it for today's questions. Again, thanks to everyone who submitted them. I had a lot of fun with the live Q&A and even putting this this recording together as I stare at the wall. (laughs) You can find all the notes from today's episode, including all the links that I said I would mention and a quick guide to the questions at thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash 69. Um, Stay tuned because we will definitely be doing more of these in the future. Keep an eye out for announcements in the Facebook group. And remember, you can go to thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash community to join the Facebook group if you haven't yet. Um, Don't forget to start voting for the podcast awards on May 29th. You have two weeks. You can vote daily, podcastawards.com, the Budget Minded Traveler in the Society and Culture section. And if you want reminders for that, get on Snapchat. I will remind you every day. (laughs) You can follow me at Traveling Jackie. And once again, thanks to our sponsor, Trip Creator, for bringing us this episode. Check them out for a quick, easy, comprehensive trip planning session where you have the power to book everything with one click, including hotels, rental cars, and activities that you might not even know you should be doing. Their country inventory is growing quickly. So go to tripcreator.com to try out the magic for yourself. And don't forget... Patagonia2016.com is up and running for those of you interested in traveling to Southern Chile and Argentina with me this fall. Space is limited. We're going to be trekking the famous W Circuit in Torres Alpine National Park, Chile, which is what I did last October and this March. And I completely fell head over heels in love with it. Um, plus we're going to the Argentinian side to do some glacier trekking and hiking to the famous Fitzroy. And while I do plan to offer more trips in the future, I can't promise that I'll be doing this same one again. So if Patagonia is on your list, why not make it happen this year with me? It's going to be life changing. All right. Thanks for listening, you guys. And most of all, thanks for joining me on this crazy ride that I call a podcast. I couldn't do it without you, especially episodes like this. Have a great week, you guys. See you next time. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.